0: Good evening, welcome to Wednesday evening chapel. Uh, this is the third of our Advent services. As you know, we're a few days ahead of the of the rest of the world, but uh, that makes it work out this way for us. Uh, just want to remind us that Advent is a time of both contemplation and anticipation. It helps us remember that Christ came and reminds us that Christ is coming again. Amen? Amen. So the first week, um, we were reminded because of His coming and His coming uh, that we should live for Him. All in favor say aye. Aye. And last week, we were reminded that because of His coming and of His coming uh, that we should also hope in Him. This week, the reason for the pink candle is that we're going to be reminded that we should rejoice in him. Amen? He came once, he's coming again. That's a reason to party. Well, does that work? Amen. So, we'll light this third candle as a reminder that our lives should reflect his joy because he came and he's coming. All in favor, say aye. All right. We're going to begin with a couple of scripture readings, so take the Bibles that are close to you. And I need Rachel Carr and, and Michael Bahafrid to come. The first reading is from Isaiah 35.
1: Your God will come. He will come with vengeance and divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf be unstopped. Then will the the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor will any ferocious beast get up on it. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there and the ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing, everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away.
2: Matthew eleven two. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come or do we look for another? Jesus then answered and said to them, go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be be offended because of me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, what went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it has written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he.
3: The Advent message will come in sections this evening as we respond to the scriptures and the songs that we share together. But think about these two portions of scripture that you just heard. One is a scripture of promise to be fulfilled. Another tells us the story of a man who believed that promise and finds himself in prison. What a contrast. We don't usually think of prison situations at a time of Christmas, but there's a strong Christmas message here. You see, scripture abounds with references to joy and rejoicing. There is natural joy, gladness, contentment, satisfaction, mirth, cheerfulness. There's moral joy, peace and serenity and there's spiritual joy, the joy that comes of faith, a rejoicing and a hope that comes in being in right relationship to God and to others. In the Old Testament, there are 10 different words for joy. As a matter of fact, I read once that no other language other than Hebrew has so many words to try to demonstrate the the totality of biblical joy. The biblical distinctive concerning joy is this, it's always coupled with moral rectitude. Pure joy, then, is joy in God as both the source and the object of our joy. In the Isaiah passage, we have a utopian description of how things are going to be for God's people when Messiah reigns. Desert shall become a flourishing agricultural paradise. People will be redeemed, restored, healed, and strengthened. People will no longer live in fear but in peace and the joy of holiness. Wow, think about that. What a place to live. But the question is this, has it happened yet? Is there really such a place? The Matthew passage tells us of the conveyed correspondence between Jesus and John the Baptist who rightfully wants to know, am I dying for nothing? (laughs) The promise that I believed, is it really here? Did I miss it? Is it yet to come? Notice the answer that Jesus gives. Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. The answer you see is not geographical, it's relational. Yes, that joyous place where people are redeemed, restored, healed, and strengthened is here. It's not a place. It's a person. It's Jesus. He has come and started this glorious restoration, and he's going to come again and finish what he has started. You can live in a kingdom where there's joy, real, lasting, eternal joy, joy now and forevermore, for joy has come to the world in Jesus Christ. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let all the earth receive her King with joy and gladness.
0: Oh, stand and sing.
3: Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Psalm 146. In just a moment, we're going to read this together as a responsive reading. But let me point out to you that the psalmist is fully aware of the promise of a hope and a joy that are to come not based in anything that man can do. In the psalm, we'll read, Don't put your trust in man for the source of anything permanent or lasting. But you can trust the Creator, for He is faithful. He will be the Redeemer and the Restorer. He will be the source of joy and hope. Would you stand, please, and let us read responsively? I'll begin with verse 5, and then you respond, and we'll read verse 10 together. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. he He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. Remain standing. Let's sing. Chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verses 47
0: through 55. It's Mary's response to all that she's just learned. I think I want us to read it together. Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 47. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. But has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he
3: said to our fathers. Well, what a marvelous passage of Scripture, and what a great way for us to celebrate with it. For he has done great things, and he's going to do even more great things. That is what Advent's all about. It reminds us of the great things God has done and the great things that he's going to do. Now when we read this passage called Mary's Song or the Magnificat, that is her response, her song of praise that springs from the joy that's in her heart because of her relationship to Almighty God. But wait, wait just a minute. Ladies, I think maybe you can identify with this. She's pregnant. Did you feel like singing when you first found that out? Well, maybe when you first found it out, but How about on those days where all you could keep down was crackers and water? (laughs) She's a single woman. She's engaged but not yet married. She's pregnant, and God did it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) What a wonderful situation to be in, huh? Sure, when she tells everybody her story that this baby is a miracle from God and the coming Messiah, everybody's just going to rise up and call her blessed and say amen. <laughs> of course they will. Piece of cake. No problem. Yes, problem. How in the world could she compose such a joyous song in her situation? Well, it's because the joy that she has in her heart that develops this song is not based upon her circumstances but her relationship with God. I think you can identify. (laughs) I don't mean with the pregnancy thing, but moving to Colorado Springs wasn't necessarily easy. Finding a job hadn't been all that easy. Getting that exegetical paper done wasn't all that much of a joy, was it? (laughs) Illness has come, finances have not always been what you expected. We could go on and on. Those of us who have lived the NBC experience, and I'll remind you that I've had the privilege of coming here in the 70s and being a student and living that experience. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world because in the midst of some of what the world would see as discouraging and terrible circumstances, God was always there. God always came through. And like Mary, the song of praise and joy in my heart was always greater than what was the matter. You see, the Bible regards joy as essentially a divine bestowal. It's the proper response to the good news. Good news, Messiah is coming. Good news, you're pregnant. But it is good news when you trust the promises and the will of God, isn't it? A promise that's been the source of hope for centuries, and joy of all joys, it is about to be fulfilled. Paul teaches us that joy is the result of the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and thus he calls it the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. Jesus gives joy both a present day and an eschatological meaning when he tells about the parable of the talents, when the servants come back to find that the king has returned, and there's a great feast and great joy upon the return of the master. But the good news is this. We don't have to wait till the second coming to know that joy for Jesus has provided that joy with his first coming. And that's why Advent is just so spectacular. That's why it is a a wonder of a time to celebrate and to be in the family of God because we have the reality of now with Jesus and all the joy that he brings and the hope of eternal joy, as they would say in Tennessee where I come from, where you ain't seen nothing yet. Unfortunately, the world does not know this joy, for it does not abound in the kingdoms of this world, only in the kingdom of God. So many outside the kingdom of God will say, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays. They'll pass by and they'll give greetings and they'll enjoy some mirth and some merriment, but it'll come only for a season but the joy that you and I have in Jesus just begins at Christmas and lasts all year through and all lifetime long. For no matter what circumstance may befall us, it cannot take away our joy. We will sing and say as did Mary even when she was pregnant, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. So let it not just be a song. But let it be our testimony, where throughout the year we say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, praise his holy name.
0: Take your Bibles and turn to James chapter 5. James chapter 5, we're going to read together, verses 7 through 10. James chapter 5, verses 7 through 10. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient, stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord.
3: We have a wonderful agricultural example in this passage of what a farmer goes through. He has to wait on seasons with the anticipation of a harvest. I grew up on a cotton farm in Tennessee and uh, any of you from the South might recognize this term. Uh, I didn't mind the planting, because we did that with a machine. <laughs> and, uh, but I didn't like the hoeing and the chopping, because we did that with a machine called a hoe. <laughs> 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 and it went like that. <laughs> because you see, we were hillbillies, we terrace farmed. Terrace farm is where you farm on the sides of hills and you have to kind of build up a little terrace to keep the erosion in control. And in those days, in the ancient days of the 50s, uh, there weren't any mechanical uh, choppers or thinners that could work uh, on terraces. Now they're computerized today so they can jump all over the place. Well, I didn't mind the planting, and I loved watching it grow, but I hated the thinning and the chopping. It was always done in the months of June, July, and August. And then there was this wonderful harvest time with cotton. It came in the winter time. I don't know if any of you ever had the joy of picking cotton, but in those days, there weren't any mechanical pickers that could do it on terraces. So we had this machine. <laughs> and uh, for you city folks, cotton is a wonderful plant. It has these bowls on it, it's called cotton bowls. And when they ripen and the cotton is fibrous and ready to be harvested, it opens up like this just so you can reach in there and get that. But the only problem is on every one of these little bowls is a needle-like pinpoint. And if you reach just wrong and you don't get in between those, well, it doesn't take a lot of imagination to know. It seems like that harvest always comes with a price. So does joy. You, You see... The truth of the matter is, patience is really not one of the things that we put on our Christmas list, is it? (laughs) Or if we do, it's something like this, Lord, give me patience and give it to me right now. (laughs) And yet, patience, we understand in Scripture, is worked out and discovered through tribulation. Well, it's been 2,000 years, and we're still waiting for the second coming. But wait, that's not really very long ago. You see, if a biblical generation is 40 years then that means Jesus was here only 50 people ago. Well, when I was born, my great-great-grandfather was still alive, and so that's five of those 50 people, or 10 percent of the people who have lived in my own lifetime. So don't get discouraged, folks. Don't think that the second coming is so far away. I've got good news for you. I've got a reason for great joy. Be patient, even if you're picking cotton, man. Just be patient because the joy is worth the wait and it won't be as long as you think. It's only 12 days to Christmas and I got some really good news for you. Santa Claus is coming to town and Jesus is coming soon. <laughs> so I'm going to rejoice with the psalmists and I'm going to say, therefore, my heart is glad And my tongue rejoices, my body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. I still believe that Jesus is doing that and wants to do that for us this very evening. Therefore, I will sing joy to the world the lord is come and i will shout to the lord all the earth and sing of his glorious majesty for he has filled my heart with joy i share this benediction with you from the epistle of peter and from the message i like the way it says it what a god we have and how fortunate we are to have him this father of our master jesus Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven and a future that starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all, life healed and whole. I know how great this makes you feel, even though you have to put up with every kind of aggravation in the meantime. Pure gold put in the fire comes out of it, proved, pure, genuine. Faith put through this suffering comes out, proved, genuine. When Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your goal, that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. You never saw him, yet you love him. You still don't see him, yet you you trust him. With laughter and singing, you trust him. Because, because you kept on believing, you'll get what you're looking forward to, total salvation. So look under your spiritual Christmas tree, all wrapped in love, with a beautiful bow and a gift tag that says, from Jesus to you, Merry Christmas. God bless you.